Welcome, welcome, welcome to a delayed episode of AMB Sports Media, the podcast. My name's AJ. And I am Bill. And uh, let's get right into it. We got some right. stuff to get through. We have a. <clears throat> Please excuse me through this episode, though. I'm coming off a viral infection. I'm at the end of it, but last week was hell. This week, I got coughing every once in a while. Yeah, as so you can today, see with all, all the vitamins back there, all yeah, the pills you have to take. turmeric, uh, ibuprofen, X-lax, everything. Anyway, um, <clears throat> we're going to start off with 1936, and today is sports history, which is December 13th. The National Football League Championship before the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. The Green Bay Packers beat the Boston Redskins 21-6. to This is the Packers' fourth title. And the Redskins move after that to Washington, D.C. for the 1937 season. That's where we get the Washington Redskins. Not yep. anymore. Washington mm -hmm. football team. Commanders. Um, then we're going to go into 1952. The NFL's Dallas Texans, a.k.a. the former... New York Yanks play their final game, losing 41 to six to the Lions in Detroit. They finished their final record of one and 11. So I guess that was before the Texans came. Well, that was Dallas Texans. So yeah. Yep. And then last but not least in 1956, the Dodgers trade Jackie, Jackie Robinson to the giants for pitcher Dick Littlefield and $35,000. You know why I picked this one. But Robinson would rather have retired, which he did, than be traded. And I'm not kidding. His name is Dick Littlefield. That's when that's when names were crazy back in the day. They were. Now you get bullied if you're called Dick. Moving <laughs> on. We're going right into the Sixers first, just because we don't have as much to talk about with them. They are doing swell. Doing they are really currently well. on a three-game win, win streak, um, beating the Cavaliers. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm scrolled down too far. One, two, three. Three-game win streak, beating the Wizards, Hawks, and then the Wizards more again more recently. They will be playing the Pistons at about 15 minutes from now at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on December 13th. So hopefully they can hold this up. They're doing well. Very happy with the Sixers. Want to keep them moving <clears throat> forward. I think they're going playoff contention, but we have some more time until yeah. that. I mean, they're they're just even Embiid is look, playing. Embiid's playing better than his MVP year. Yes, like, that's crazy. He's looking right? good. They're looking cohesive too. And he's 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 sat like the fourth quarter, like he six does. like six games. Yeah, he he doesn't have to play. That's the best part. He has to rest. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> the surprising cohesive though is the Philadelphia Flyers. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are third in the Metropolitan Division. But they are 15-10 and only three overtime <clears throat> losses. Usually it's a lot higher. Yeah. They recently just came off the three-game uh, three winning – sorry, four-game winning streak against the Penguins twice, the Coyotes, and then the Avalanche. But unfortunately yesterday they did gain another overtime loss against the Predators, which it's bound to happen every once in a while. They will be playing the Capitals tomorrow at 7 o'clock <clears throat> Eastern Standard Time. Uh, December 14th. Very excited for that game. I'm actually excited for the next game after that when the Red Wings play on this, uh, against them because I want to. I have a couple friends that are Red Wings fans and I want to laugh at them. But otherwise, yeah, the Flyers are doing well. Very yeah. happy with it. They're actually looking like a playoff team, which I said, you, and I, you and I both came into the season expected them to be absolutely like horrendous. I expected nothing because we didn't have anything. If we get playoff contention, I'm happy. That's all yeah. I wanted. I don't expect, you know, us to win the Stanley Cup. 
But I'll hey, if we get playoffs, I'm happy. Heck yeah. And I mean, too, the, the, a lot of the young guys are developing really well. They are. So, like, yeah, they just have I'll to keep it. it that way. I think they will. They better. Otherwise, that's really all I have on the Flyers. Though. They're just doing well. Formula One's out of the uh, out of contention right now. Uh, no big boxing events. I thought uh, Deontay Wilder was fighting soon, but I think I was wrong. But I think you are wrong. I think I am. I don't think that's legit. Also, fun fact, top goalies this week based on... Uh, Carter save, Hart is goalie of yeah, the week. Save percentage. He has yeah. a point, uh, 0.958 save percentage, the highest in the league of uh, this week. Mm-hmm. Very Carter Hart's always been a wall, so I've always been happy with how he plays. Um, now he actually has a defense with him. And then there's future flyers setting for the world stage, too. Um, Gauthier Cutter... Uh, Denver Barkley and Alex Cernick have all named to their preliminary rosters rosters for the respective national teams for 2024. So we're actually going to have international star or player international players from our team finally play some international games too. So that's going to be hype. Yeah. Um. You got anything else, or are you good? Um. Nothing really. Just uh. That Bryce Harper was at the game yesterday. I feel like this man. Well, actually, no. Last time he was there, they won too. Um, so he has good. to show up at every game. Got it. Well, no, they they didn't win yesterday. Mm. Yeah, they don't well, show over, up to over time. <laughs> yeah, he's one for two now. You're right. You're right. So, so maybe, maybe. Um, big event that is coming up on. December 15th, 2023, which I'll be at. I'm going to another MMA event in the Hard Rock Casino. This is CFF 128. I'm not going to run through everything here because it's a lot to go through with a lot of fighters I don't know. All I'm going to say is I'm very excited to see Robert Watley and versus Armando Gaetje, or Yeah, sure. And Luke Fernandez versus Peter New. Great name. Last but not least, I want to give a shout-out to the guys named Keith Speed. Great name. That's all I got for them. I don't know what to expect. Speed. I will explain as I get um, – I'll take some notes while I'm there. Very excited for CFFC again. Um, now the big one because there is a lot to cover for this weekend's UFC event. UFC 296. <sighs> Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington. This is on Saturday, December 16th, 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time in the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Woo! So this card is stacked from head to toe. As you can see, I'm flying through a shit ton of names, numbers, etc. Real quick, going to start. Wow, they're actually having him start off the fights. Wow. Good for Muslim and Randy Brown. Great fight in the beginning to start with. Don't care about the rest. Flyweights always underappreciated on the early prelims. Flyweights are always a crazy fight to watch. Tune in early. You don't need UFC Fight Pass. You could use ESPN Plus. Check out Tyre Ulmbekov versus Cody Durden. Why not? This is the one I wanted to talk about. Alonzo Minefield versus Dustin Jacoby. Two big ass sons of bitches slugging at each other. Alonzo is 14-3-1. Dustin is 19-7-1. Honestly, I would take the odds on Alonzo for the plus uh, 210. Go for it. Moving on up, we're going to use Cody Garbrandt versus Brian Keller. 
Cody is a is the former bantamweight champ that has fallen from grace and now only fighting on early prelims every once in a while. He still has some good wins every once in a while. He's currently 13 and 5. Brian is um current is 24 and 14. Honestly, I still think Cody has some stuff left in the tank, but I think at the same time his chin is been compromised. If he gets hit wrong once, I think that's it. I really just think he's just fighting for the paychecks now, but you do what you got to do. Um, I would still take Cody to win. Hopefully, if this is a win, we'll see what happens from here. The last prelim one. This one is huge to me. Josh Emmett versus Bryce Mitchell. Josh Emmett not... is just a mangled abs. What the heck? Yeah, he is an orc. His description Ew. is orc. Um. Ew. This may be one of the ending fights for Josh Emmett. I know it's rank six versus rank 10. Recently, uh, Josh Emmett did have a fight um, against Ilya Torpea, who is now going to be fighting for the title. Overall, we know Josh is on his way out. I don't think he's going to be, be able to really make another title run. He was not supposed to fight Bryce Mitchell originally. I do not remember who he was supposed to, but short notice, Bryce Mitchell came in. Bryce is currently 16-2. and two. He is from the straight-up Alabama. I actually don't know if it's Alabama, but I'm going to go with it. Um, he trains on his own. He's absolutely insane. He uh, won against Dan Ige recently. Uh, unfortunately lost to Taporia, but... Overall, I think Bryce will take it. He's a younger guy. He's fresher. I know it's short notice, so that may have an effect. Josh does have better KO power. Josh has always been known to have heavy hands. I have seen it live when he knocked out Michael Johnson. Um, not Michael Johnson, I'm sorry. Somebody else way back in 2018. If you're taking the odds, the plus 180 is not bad. If not, take Bryce Mitchell via decision or submission. I wouldn't say a knockout, to say the least. Knockout, though, go Josh Emmett. Okay, we have the main card. Lots of shit to go through. Going to be quick on this one, or I'm going to be as quick as I can, but we're going to talk about it at the same <clears throat> same time. Got it. Welterweights up first. Vincent Luque versus Ian Machado Gary. The up and up for Ian Machado. He's currently 13 and 0. He's the pride of Ireland. He is currently the new Conor McGregor, so to speak. He's trying to be. He really is. Their family uh, missed a solid opportunity to name him like Larry or something. So his acronyms could be LMG. That would have been good. Missed opportunities. Uh, yep. He has seven wins by knockout, one submission, four, four first round finishes. High amounts of takedowns, but it's only four. Um, overall, sh good record, too. It's not like he's not fighting anyone bad. He just beat up Neil Magny recently, beat up uh, Rodriguez. I know he beat Cannon, which this was the only time this fight here, Cannon, was where his uh, he got cracked and then came back. So that was a good fight to have for him. Uh, overall, fantastic striker, good on the ground, uses his legs a lot. He's going to be a problem. Vincent Luque is 22-9-1, 11 wins by knockout, 8 by sub, 13 first-round finishes. I've seen how powerful this man can be, but I've also seen how strong 
His chin has been broken. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know what's going to happen with him. He's beaten Tyrone Woodley, but Woodley was gassed out by then. Beat out Michael Chesnia. Lost to Bilal Muhammad. Not surprising. Bilal's on a tear. Um, got knocked out by Joff Neal, but came back against Rafael Dos Anjos. This one's more of a toss-up, but I think Ian's just kind of on a run where if he can keep his skills going, I think he beats Luke. But Luke catches him once. I think Ian will drop. Um, you could do a double. The odds are plus 275 for Luke, minus 345 for Ian. Honestly, give or take, um, I would take Ian for knockout. But you could do, if you have DraftKings, you do have the double chance where you can do Ian by knockout and Luke by knockout. One of them finish. But... It kind of messes with the odds there a little bit. One of them gets a finish, but I would honestly consider a double option than anything else. Okay. This fight. Tony Ferguson versus Patty Pimblett. This card, or this fight in general. How do I even start this one? One is old as shit and is on a six-fight losing skid. The other one clearly lost his... Not clearly. The other one got ro robbed another fighter of a win. And we, we ex he got exposed on like who he was. I don't know. So let's run it down. What are the odds? Uh, I'll come back to that. <laughs> I think I know what it's going to be. Patty probably favored. Patty is the favorite at minus 340. Tony is, minus, is plus 270. I can believe that. Mm -hmm. Running through Tony first. El Kukui is 26 and 9. 13 wins by knockout, 8 by sub, 9 first round finishes. That was way back. We're not talking about recently, though. He used to have great striking, great, you know, chin, athleticism, all of that. But now we see one. A two. This is where he really died against Chandler because he got a fucking up kick to the chin. Oof. Lost to Darnush, lost to Oliveira, got absolutely mauled by Gaethje. Um, and I think he won one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, I don't think he won this one. I think he won that one. I'm now checking out of curiosity as I do this. It's not showing up. Don't care. Moving on. <laughs> So, yeah, six-fight losing skid. He looks old. He looks like CTE is eating his brain. <laughs> He's been training with David Goggins, which is not even like fit, like sparring training. It's like physical training. So the man is going to be, you know, physically in his prime. I don't think he's mentally there. <clears throat> the way I put it is you get beat up so much or you get old, too. To where your brain knows what to do, but your body's not going to let it happen. You're gonna you're gonna be like, oh, I gotta throw a punch now. That and for the people listening, I threw a punch delayed after I said now. <laughs> Just Thank to give an example. Listeners. Yes, to all of our listeners, I had to you know explain that one. So moving on to Patty the Batty Pimblet, who is twenty and three, <clears throat> six fight win streak, six wins by knockout, nine by sub. Um, I mean, he, minus the <laughs> Jarrett Gordon fight, he looked good. Jarrett uh, Gordon kind of exposed him, though. 
His head was up a lot. Hopefully he learned to put his head down while he fights. And overall, he has great submission skills. Tony won't tap. He'll just choke him, get choked out or, you know, do whatever. It's a This is a lose-lose situation for Patty. Not in the sense of, like, win or lose. It is, okay, you win, all right, you beat up an old man that's 0-6 right now. Cool. That's not that great. But if you lose, you lost to a man that's 0-6 that probably has some CTE. <clears throat> Overall, I do think Patty takes it. I may... I have 90 cents left in my DraftKings account until January. <laughs> I made 90 cents on Tony Ferguson. We'll see. I mean, yeah, if you got 90 cents, the odds might as well just roll with it. Exactly. Okay. Moving on from that disappointing fight of the card. <laughs> I'm excited for it all, including that, but it's it's just not fun. This fight also probably won't be as fun, but we're going to go with it anyway. Shavkat Rakamov versus Steven Wonderboy Thompson. So, Shavkat, honest to God, probably the future of the welterweight division. 17-0, 8 wins by knockout, eight, 9 by sub, 9 first round finishes. Has great takedowns, um, great striking, and it's basic striking too. It's like 1-2's clean boxing style. He looks good. He did beat Joff Neal. Um, he beat Neil Magny. He's beaten Harris. You could just see it down the line. Motherfuckers after motherfuckers just beating him up. Overall, he is just one of the most well-rounded fighters that there are. And his ground game will be very crucial against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He is currently... 17-6-1, 8 wins by knockout, 1 win by submission, 5 first-round finishes. Now, compared to Tony, who I think is the same age or a little bit younger, Steven is also the same age as him, but looks a lot better because he looks a lot healthier because he hasn't been hit in the head as much. <laughs> he has been knocked out. I can't say that, though, Steven Wonderboy has. But overall, he is the striking guru. His fight versus Kevin Holland was fantastic, and overall like fun to watch when he is against a strike when he gets to strike he is one of the greatest strikers that we could see i don't think that's going to be the case i think shavkat's going to win by either decision or submission as you could see he is minus 650 it makes sense because the man actually has ground game wonder boy does not i want wonder boy to have ground game but he doesn't so eventually Shavkat's going to take him to the ground. That's the end of that, I believe. I'm take, I'm putting that one on Shavkat no matter what. I'm not, even though, yes, my 90 cents can go on Wonder Boy. I don't know if I want to. Okay. The first of the, uh, the co-main. Alexandra Pantoja versus Brandon Royval. Uh, the backup, by the way, for this fight is Brandon Moreno, if anything happens. The former flyweight champ. Alex, uh, Pantoja is currently 26 and 5. He is known as the Cannibal. <clears throat> Eight wins by knockout, 10 by sub, 10 first round finishes. The man is durable. He uh, re won against Moreno after getting absolutely bloodied and beaten up. Beat Perez. He also beat Royval once already via submission. He beat Cape. He beat Askrov. And he beat Schnell. Overall, he is on a tear and he deserves the belt 
I admit that. After watching the rest of his fights besides Moreno, he deserves this belt. Brandon Royval, this is his second chance against Pantoja, as I've said already. 15 and 6, four wins by knockout, nine by sub, 10 first round finishes. Coming off a three fight win streak, uh, whether it was wins, submissions, or KO. Overall, he is a fantastic fighter, hence why he's ranked number two. Good amount of strikes. He does always aim for the head, 90 or 63% of the time. I think with flyweights, this is going to be a qu- like not quick. I'm going to I'm talking hand speed. They're going to be striking quick. It's going to look quick. It's going to be good. Royval is trying to do the Nate Diaz look. It's not really it, but I give him credit. Um, I am going to say this is going to go to Pantoja. Uh, minus 192 makes sense. Royval could win it though. Plus one. Um, plus 160. Not bad odds. But I'm going to go with Pantoja for this one. Last but not least, the main event, Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington. I hate Colby, personally. I don't hate him as, I don't, his fighting style, respect. His wins, respect. His personality, I fucking hate. It's not for me. Colby is currently 17-3, and uh, four wins by knockout, four wins by sub, three first round finishes. He is currently on a one-fight win streak against Jorge Masvidal. Yay. Who I think retired. I'm on that. You did. Uh, he lost to Usman recently. He beat up Broken Down Woodley, lost to Usman before, and then he beat uh, Robbie Lawler there. Good for him. <clears throat> He's a pressure fighter. For five rounds, I actually could see Colby doing a lot of damage. I, he has great wrestling, just on par as Usman. He is a contender. I'm not going to say that he's not. I just don't think he deserved this title shot, so I'm not a fan of it. However, it is what it is. He is an excellent overall fighter. He does have a chance to win. Now we are going to talk about the champ, Leon Rocky Edwards. Seven wins by knockout, three wins by sub, five first-round finishes. Uh, as we all remember, his beautiful fifth-round knockout of Leon, or sorry, of Kamaru Usman in the fifth round, just saving the game because if he didn't, he would have lost. <clears throat> and we saw that altitude was definitely an issue because in the second fight where they were in at altitude, he did win via uh, majority decision against Usman again. He is a fantastic striker. He is a sniper. He has tools and abilities. He has taken Usman down too, which is a great uh, statement towards his wrestling game. I think he wins. I overall think that Leon will break apart Colby over five rounds. If anything, by the third round, knocks his ass out. I hope for the first round so I can go to bed early, but that's (laughs) never the case. I got it on Leon. He's minus 155. Colby's plus 130. Not terrible. But that is my suggestion to go with Leon. I'm rooting for him anyway. Technically, he's on my Christmas wall, too. Not here at my house, but um, at my parents' place. We have um, Noel put up for, like, you know, Jesus and all that. And Mm -hmm. I always uh, rearrange it to something else. And last year, I changed to Leon when he won the belt. (laughs) So. Solid. Good for Leon. Good luck to both of those fighters. Good luck to all the fighters this Saturday, the 16th in the Las Vegas in Las Vegas. I'm done. Well done. 
Uh, honestly, I'll probably, I'll <sighs> just bet on Covington. <laughs> Dick. I mean, worst case scenario, someone that I hate wins, and I win money from it, so I'll take it. No, I just don't want to. <laughs> Listen, stop talking, <laughs> sir. You're sick. You can't know, be talking this much. I'm done. Um. Yeah. So, I going into baseball a little bit. The main big thing that's happened is Shohei Otani finally got a, a contract. It wasn't an affiliate, unfortunately, but it, it was set of Dodgers. It was a 10-year, $700 million contract. Um, and somehow they make it even more kind of uh, funny about it is it's all deferred. That's right. Everything's deferred. So it's normally supposed to be $70 million a year. Um, what they did is they deferred it, so the contract goes from this year, 2023, to uh, 2033, and they deferred it to the years after. So he'll be getting $68 million in those years after his contract actually. It's like pretty much Bobby Bonilla. Um, so essentially, he's getting two mil per year, and then everything's deferred. So that way they can kind of get more players and keep players retention, have this window of, you know, championships. Um, so it was really funny to to kind of see that because I was like, everyone was excited they got signed and then they almost saw the contract and they're like, what? We can do that? Like, <laughs> so um, another cool thing is, um, I'm blanking on his name, but the one, the, the pitcher, um, I think Yamamoto. Yeah, he's gonna. He pretty much had his whole. He's having all these these meetings with different teams right now, and the Phillies are coming up. Um, so they've officially said that they're gonna have him pretty much come in for a meeting, kind of talk about contracts and stuff like that. So the Phillies can get him for pitching. For that rotation is gonna be nasty. I honestly, I wouldn't. I would. I think they would be better than last year if they got him, especially that starting pitching. Um. So that's still kind of like more rumors up in the air kind of stuff. So we'll see what happens. Um, one of the things that also happened over uh, this past weekend was um, Mahomes cried a lot. Yeah, he did. More than the Eagles, but uh, Mahomes cried a lot. So here, so there was this 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 call in the the game. It was literally that that play decided the game because it was a touchdown. Uh, pretty much would have made Kansas City go up uh touchdown um uh with a minute and fifteen left. Uh, but Kadarius Tony lined off sides. As soon as the play happened, they threw the flag. Um and then that whole crazy thing happened because it's one of the craziest plays in the history of the game. Travis Kelsey full on laterals and snipes it back um to Kadarius Tony and he takes it for like 20 yards for a touchdown. But that that play is called back. And uh, he was pissed. He was screaming at the refs and everything like that. And everyone was just kind of like, yo, stop being a crybaby. You're, one, you're the team that gets uh, affected positively by these refs majority of the time. Um, and even, like, during when they all, like, you know, hot handshake and everything, like, instead of letting Josh Allen enjoy the win, he said the worst effing call ever. Yeah, it's still just complaining and stuff. Like, being a big crybaby. Yeah. Um, after the game, he said, you want to see the guys on the field decide the game. It's the call man in that moment. It's, oh, it's the call man in that moment. You wait until there's a minute left to make a call like that lost words. He's opening up himself to a lot of criticism. Cause that means that 
now you lose the Super Bowl. And there's there's a clear like video there's videos of you pointing and saying like yo he did this like he's he's constantly doing that so honestly a lot of, I I did really like Mahomes for a while but that's a lot of respect missed uh, lost especially with the Josh Allen thing like you don't run up to the guy and just start bitching about stuff and being all pouty and a crybaby dude like that's that's just yeah. not it um. Fun fact, so another thing that's been in a lot of uh, news outlets has been uh, the Bradley shove. Um, there was a, a rumor or a report out that the commissioner wanted to ban the Bradley shove and everything like that, and it was looking pretty rough. Um, but a lot of owners have come out, even um, Jerry Jones. Mm-hmm. He came out, and he was like, uh, no, like every like everyone doesn't really want the Bradley shove banned. They want the... Uh, um, the hip tackle, the one where people grab grab them and then just kind of fall. And what that the hip tackle does is when you fall, you go right into their knees, into their ankles, and it's a high injury play. Yeah, you don't want um, that. So it's really cool to see that everyone's like, no, like they're really good at it. We just have to stop it with the probably shove, and it's kind of gain support in the people in the higher up. So something that a lot of people were saying is bullshit if it gets banned is not going to get banned it looks like but obviously we'll determine that uh bill you need some coffee my man i <laughs> have not had coffee in like two weeks or some or taking a nappy poo it's too late now your your body's fighting a, a viral infection it is um also stick, still sticking with the eagles they can actually well we'll get into the games afterwards after i say this but the Eagles, with the win against Seattle, can clinch a playoff spot. Um, the what? They, with a win against Seattle. Oh, I thought you said the Seattle Eagles. I was like, wait a minute. What are you doing? You're talking about. Uh, okay, buddy. No. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> crazy. It's okay. You're going stir crazy. Um, the Eagles are minus four-point favorites for the Monday night game. So um, they have gone through the gauntlet. And recently, bias makes us really – not optimistic for this 10 and 3 team, especially against the two NFC teams that are going yeah. to be in your way for the Super Bowl. Um, so hopefully they can get it done with the Seahawks, but we shall see. So 49ers was rough. Extremely was. rough. You had the game in, in the palm of your hand the first quarter, like in the palm of your hand. You were dominant. They couldn't get a play go, and you were at their end zone twice. You scored two touchdowns there. That's a whole different game. But, excuse me, all the issues that we've been, we've been you know, complaining about throughout the, the year reared its ugly head, and they can, they, the Eagles' defense continued their fun streak. I believe it got to the point where it was 12. So 49ers got six, and then... Dallas got three. Mm-hmm. So it was around, yeah, it was around nine, nine or 10 drives, full drives, where they let up a touchdown or a field goal. Actually, with 80% of them being touchdowns. Um, after that, Eagles, during the Dallas game, didn't even score an offensive touchdown. It was, it's, it's been a rough few weeks, especially for the flying high Eagles facing. Honestly, that gauntlet was rough facing the Cowboys, facing the Chiefs, facing the Bills, facing the 49ers, facing the Cowboys again. Mm-hmm. It does it does take a toll. 
Um, and a lot of people were trying to figure out what's been going wrong with the Eagles and stuff like that. Um, on that same note, the Eagles, even after all this, they still have the best record in the NFL when facing winning teams. They're five and two uh, when facing winning teams. Um, I think the next best person, so that's a 0.714 winning percentage against winning teams. The next person, I think, is either just 700 or right below it. Um, a lot of people have been doing analysis. Even I kind of started watching a little All-22. Um, like, I would know what that is. But a lot of people have been kind of commenting on this. And there's a lot of stats that kind of um, prove that this this Eagles offense, the game plan, it, it's actually kind of working. Um, so it's working in a lot of areas. Like the, the game plan for Dallas was very well. The only like realistically, the main reason that they lost was one, the defense couldn't get a stop. And two on offense, they were moving the ball relatively well. You can't win a game against a good team with three turnovers, three fumbles, actually. That's just not going to happen. Um, but so here's – I'm going to spew up some stats too, actually. In the passing game, Jalen Hurts has an expected completion percentage of 61.6% this season. That's the second lowest in the NFL. That's very um, low. Holy shit. He is presented with the second most difficult throws on average in the entire NFL. Um is he, well, also too, uh, his completion percentage over expectation is plus 4.9%, uh, being the highest in the NFL. So essentially what what those things are telling you is that right now, the system is making it as difficult as possible, difficult as possible on the playmakers um, to actually perform. And the only way to do that is to perform above expectation. And these are already the most difficult things. Damn. Which is crazy to me. Like we're this we're going into week fifteen, and these like, how are we ten and three in that scenario? Um, but there's ways to kind of help with that. So the Eagles are eighth in yards per attempt and sixth in success rate when throwing between the numbers, <laughs> but they are thirtieth in percentage of passes thrown between the numbers. I think realistically, with Goddard being out, that was definitely a case, and also the whole AJ Brown like to Hurts connection in, earlier in the season definitely help those numbers but if we're being extremely successful in that throw it throw up the middle a little bit more throw it in between the numbers that's a solid like 60 to 7 percent of the field you're not utilizing that you're actually really good at yeah um eagles are also fourth in success rate on running back screens but they rank 28th in usage there's another thing you could use it there yep exactly there's another thing that you're not using that you're very good with also, Eagles are seventh in success rate on slants, but they rank 22nd in usage. You're seeing a pattern. Eagles rank first in success rate on curls, but they rank 28th in usage. So there's things that they could be doing in the past game where the reason a lot of people have come out and said this has been very predictable, um, there's not a lot of motion and stuff like that, is because they really are going for those long developing big shot plays. Um, which to to be their credit has been working a lot, um, but once you're facing high quality, so that's that's kind of why people think like, all right, why is the offense so slow in the first half? It's because they're doing these long developing plays that is really just pushing talent 
to go out there and make a play instead of putting that talent into a good position. So there's 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 ways to work, and that's when towards the end of the game, when like their offense is clicking and everything, that it's because they're running things like this. Like if you notice DeAndre Swift, they had some really nice design running back screens. He would pop off for thirty yards. Um, the slants, like the AJ Brown slant, half the time is what he gets most of his yards after catches. So there's things that they could do that they're not doing that they're really good at, which is very optimistic too. Like not not optimistic in that they're good at it optimistic in that if they just use those to their advantage their offense is going to really pop off um in the run game which i know a lot of people hate the qb draws but this is actually a really interesting thing uh there are 10 teams with at least 10 design qb run sneaks uh qb runs sneaks excluded so it's not like the put tush push and stuff like that actual design qb runs that we've been saying eagles rank 10th in success rate and seventh in epa attempt but they are fourth but they have the fourth most runs so realistically not for 32 teams you're the 10th best in success rate that's not bad um the only issue is that is jalen hurts fully healthy enough to do that because sometimes when a play is broken he slides which honestly is not that bad of a thing but there's there's specific times for you to do that um pony personnel essentially what pony personnel is you have deandre swift and kenny gamewell in the backfield so you'll have two running backs um they have the sixth highest rushing success rate in the nfl out of pony uh, uh, pony personnel and they have the second lowest amount of rushing attempts from this package so that it's i'm there's a few more things i want to want to say in this regard but there you there's a clear pattern here it's kind of funny um here's the sorry my dog wants to scratch next to the door um here's something though that a lot of people are like we need to run the ball we need to run ball which i'm one of those people i still believe it but with the eagles o-line that's extremely as talented as this they're not living up to that specifically because their eagles o-line ranks 18th in balloon block uh, block percentage over the last four weeks that can't happen Especially a team wow, that is terrible. Especially a team that is predicated on the run game, like Sirianni's whole tenure. If I think it was, if the I don't have the exact stat. I, I want to say fifteen uh, or more rushes. They're like thirty and two. Like it's, it's something like that. That I don't want to say that stat, but there's it's something along those lines. And for a team that is that good, that wins off the run, to have eighteenth is ranks eighteenth. And blown block percentage is crazy to me. Um, so, with all that being said, after kind of, you know, ingesting that data, um, really sitting with it, because to be honest, I was calling for Brian Johnson's head consistently. And after seeing this, it gives me a lot of optimism for the Eagles offense moving forward. But it also pisses me off to no end that you are a professional football uh, offensive coordinator. You have you are literally in control of what plays you call and what plays you design and stuff like that. Not to mention the fact that Eagles are literally dead last in um, pre-snap movement. That can't happen. Yeah, that can't that's happen. That's a problem. So my whole viewpoint on this is stick to what's working um yeah those deep shot the deep shots are going to be there 
They will. You don't have to go for them every single play, which is what the team is doing. What you're good at, like the slants, the curls, pony personnel, go with that and then start adjusting that way. If that's not working, you have a whole plethora of talent that you can scheme up and move around. I actually like when they use A.J. Brown in the motion, kind of get him in the slot, just like C.D. Lamb. I, I like those kinds of design plays. Use that. Um, I am going to bring up a specific – let me pull this up here. So there's a specific thing that hopefully will quell some people's concerns. This is, it, this is a graph. This is a graph showing offensive strength and defensive strength based on your opponents. Look where the Eagles are. That means that they had the roughest schedule in the NFL. I Honestly, I, I think they have considered this like the, the hardest NFL schedule in modern football history. So, yes, losing to two NFC teams like that. I pressed the wrong button. <laughs> but, um, back. Um, losing to two NFC uh, opponents, the ones that you need to beat, yes, that sucks. That absolutely sucks. But at the same time, you need to keep in mind a lot of things in perspective. And But that doesn't change my viewpoint on Sean Desai, the defensive coordinator. That man has the literal worst defense in the league, and they have let up weight. They've, they've, they have – there's a stat that shows first and second down, Eagles are good at getting you to third down. Like you're not going to get – excuse me, the first down on first and second down. Third down, they are the literal worst team in the league for third down. That's why whenever I'm watching this game and it's third and 20, I still don't feel comfortable that we're going to get a stop. And it's a yeah. lot – it's a lot of things with the 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 scheme, the design. Um, watching the All Twenty Two, James Bradbury looks <laughs> terrible, dude. He looks absolutely comparative to last year. He looks significantly worse. Um, and unfortunately, with uh, Reed Blankenship going down, showed me that Sidney Brown, the rookie's safety, needs to be in the games because he is making way too many plays. And I don't know how you worked around that because I love Blankenship. He makes a lot of plays. He's our, our leading tackler. But Sidney Browns is so versatile and, and a stud. Like he saved, he saved essentially the game from getting way out of hand before the offense didn't score a, a point. Um, and I kind of want to see him more into that. But if there's anyone who should be on the hot seat, it should be Sean Desai, uh, the defensive coordinator. Right. Because um, like – Whatever you're doing is not working. There's a lot. There's a lot of things like Slay should have been following um, uh, CD Lamb the whole game, and he didn't. Now, granted, CD Lamb didn't really do too much. The his touchdown was just it was good coverage, but if the D line is not going to get any pressure, it's going to be kind of rough for if anyone who's played literally even pick up football. You can only <laughs> cover someone for so long especially um, as a cornerback or a defensive back. Um, in that scenario, defensive backs actually did a pretty good job. But our D-line, too, has been been faltering. And honestly, it's, there's a lot of things to that, too. So Nolan Smith, who's a rookie end, he 
is really good. Like he deserves a lot more snaps than he's getting, and he has been getting more snaps. But one of the dumbest things that this <laughs> defensive coordinator does is he twenty one percent of his snaps are in coverage. So he starts at the line and then backs up and plays a little bit of zone coverage. And he's statistically one of the worst people to do that. On the on the pass rush, he's fantastic. But he, the defensive coordinator keeps doing dumb things like that where Josh Schwett will back up for like two, three seconds, pretend like he's in coverage, and then go after him. The uh, linebacker blitzes. They'll start like pretty much at the zone coverage and then blitz where like that that crucial second gets you a sack there. And it showed a lot in the the Cowboys um Cowboys first Eagles game is that there's there's specific small decisions that he's making that doesn't make sense like in the slide. Yeah. Um so hopefully and I saw a tweet it was like so what do you guys want to do like should if the Eagles, you know, don't show any life but with the Seahawks what would you fire the coordinators stuff like that? And my whole thought process is finish the year. You are 10 and three. Like you're 10 and three. No matter what you, you are going to the playoffs bearing a humongous like explosion, which knock on wood, I don't think happens. Um, if they don't make any adjustments at the end of the year, cut them. Um, yeah. But moving on from that, we got some solid fifth, uh, week 15 lineups. The Thursday game, Got significantly worse, unfortunately. It's the Chargers versus the Raiders. Um, Justin Herbert is out for the year with a uh, fractured finger in his, in his throwing hand. Um, honestly, the Chargers have only squandered Herbert's early career. This, this, I actually think he has a losing winning percentage, and watching the games, he shouldn't. He's their next Phillip Rivers, except they're screwing him over more than Phillip Rivers. Um, that game, I don't really think I'm going to be watching too much, to be honest. I think because um, they got Eaton Stick, no, or Easton Stick, not Eaton, Easton Stick, literally hockey stick um, for the Chargers playing. Um, he's really been their backup for like four or five years. Uh, he came in, he played relatively decent, um, but they're only saving grace the the Chargers that Jacobs and Adams are questionable for the game. So we'll see what happens there. Um, we do have a few Saturday games, uh, Minnesota versus Cincinnati, and then Pittsburgh versus Indy, and then Denver versus Detroit. All three of those games, I think, are going to be fantastic. Excuse I agree. Uh, Minnesota really depends on if Nick Mullins can come in and play very well, but with the smallest sample size after Josh Dobbs benching, I think it'll be – honestly, I think all three will be shootouts outside of Pittsburgh. Not all three. Um, Minnesota-Cincinnati will be a shootout. Denver and Detroit will be a shootout, but Pittsburgh and Indy, I think, will be. If that's a shootout, that's going to be a. I would take the under on that, but because both their defense has been playing really well, both offenses are kind of all right. They're kind of faltering, especially with Kenny Pickett out. Um, and then Sunday, Sunday's a, a fun one. So you got Dallas versus Buffalo at Buffalo. So we'll see. Buffalo and Dallas have both been. On the uprise, they've been both playing really well, so that would be a really fun game. Um, I kind I hate to say it, I, I, we're rooting Buffalo, but I think Dallas takes that one. They just yeah, Buffalo's winning. I'd I'd hope so. Um, That's I'm hoping too. <laughs> <laughs> um, San Francisco versus the Cardinals. That seems like such a trap game. It's at Cardinals. Cardinals are actually doing pretty well, but San Francisco, same with the Cowboys. They just been on fire. 
Um, there's every every month the the top of the NFC teams like the juggernauts they have a month where they just they just look like shit. San Francisco did it, I think, in October, if I'm correct. Uh, yeah, in October is when they started faltering. Uh, Dallas in, in September-ish, or uh, they started faltering. Now the Eagles here in December, they're starting to faltering. So it seems like a rite of passage for them. But um, those two games I'll be watching, they're both at 4 o'clock. Um, yeah, honestly, it seems like a trap game, but it's... It's not going to be a close game like that. It's either going to be, um, or I, I'm sorry, it's either going to be San Francisco just absolutely demolishing Cardinals, or it's going to be a close game. It won't. It won't flip the other way. Yeah. Um, and then Monday night is a big game uh, again, looking like some rain. Um, but uh, Eagles are at Seahawks. This game scares me. Um, Geno Smith is looking to be back, but he's not fully there yet. He has a groin injury. Um, Drew Locke did look really good in backup, though. He came in, they faced the San Fran. San Fran won, but the Seahawks kept it really close. My issue is, is Seattle has Metcalf, Lockett, and uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. That's a scary three with a faltering uh, unit of defense. So it, it realistically, it might be a shootout, which I can highly see. Um, but we'll see. But... Outside of that, I know everyone else is in some fantasy playoffs. Um, I somehow got in in my two leagues. Um, I'm dead last. <gasps> yeah, Bill did not have a good you, – you got me on one week. I'll give you that. You got me on one week. And then week. I didn't pay attention. Mm-hmm. I need you to pay attention next year. Yeah, else. maybe next year. <laughs> um, yeah, but on that, outside of all this optimism, uh, please reach out to us at our Twitter, at AB Sports Media, um, always on Twitter. So, like, please reach out if you have any questions. If not there, uh, reach out to us at Bill and AJ, uh, media at gmail.com. Once again, my name's AJ. And I'm Bill. And uh, thanks for listening now. Bye. 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 If gambling has become a problem for you or for someone you know, please call 1-800-GAMBLER to seek free, confidential, 24-7 problem gambling assistance. You can also text SUPPORT to 533-42 to get more information about problem gambling behavior.